people have got a really skewed view of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and what I mean by that is they either saw somebody that called themselves a Christian or they grew up in a church like I did where you didn't get taught the fundamentals. You got taught people's opinions about what those fundamentals were. You got a bunch of rules thrown in. Are you real? Are you? I, I've said this before. You could have put a sign on that back wall that would answer any question I had growing up. It would have said no. Basically, if it was fun, it was a sin. Come on, anybody else grow up in that environment? Yeah. And, and so, but but I think it's a good idea if we if we want to be a follower of Jesus. I think it's a good idea we see what Jesus has to say, what the Word of God says about what are the fundamentals of being a follower of Jesus. Amen? Week one, we looked at the Word of God. It is a major fundamental in the Christian's walk. And, and don't get mad it, uh, if you see somebody uh, dissing the Bible on social media or you see somebody burn the Bible out there when you don't live according to what you say you believe. Are you hearing me? I think Craig Rochelle calls those Christian atheists. They claim to believe, but their lives show something else. Uh, but, but we talked about that's a major fundamental. Week two, we talked about repentance. And a lot of people get a bad taste in their mouth when they hear that word because automatically what comes to their mind is that person on the corner holding up a sign telling you you're going to hell if you don't repent. And they sound happy about the fact you're going to hell. Come on, you've seen them. But we talked about what it literally means is metanoia, the Greek word, a changed mind, a change in paradigm, a shift in direction. And that is a fundamental. Week three, we talked about the importance of community. Community, what you saw here, what you experienced, what you saw. I'm telling you, me and Denise talked about this. I was never so proud of the community when I saw them gather around Tiffany, Casey, and their family. I'm telling you, it was powerful to watch. And I, I say this, you are one community away from changing the trajectory of your life. Who you hang out with the most, who you spend the most of your time with, that's going to decide the future, where you're going to be at. Community. Last week, man, we talked about worship. The importance of worship in, the, in, in a Christian's walk. Well, today I want to dig into, uh, I'm going to call it a necessary fundamental for being a follower of Jesus. Prayer. Because you had to pray to get saved. Are, are you hearing me? My dad used to say this. He said, if you had to pray to get saved, you're going to have to pray to stay saved. And what he was under, talking about is this intimacy, this communication with God. And it, it is a basic fundamental to this, to this life. Here's what I believe when it comes to prayer. Inside every believer, inside every follower of Jesus is a desire to pray. It may not be fully activated yet, but it's been put inside of us. We may not understand it or be able to to, to pray like we want to, but it's there. So why don't we pray? I, I, I come up with three. There's more, but here's my main three of why people don't pray. First reason is this. We're, we're really not sure how to pray, to be honest. I mean, is it okay if I pray for this? 
Do I pray this way? Am I praying too loud? Am I not praying loud enough? Am I praying too long? Am I praying, not praying long enough? What, what, you know, how do I pray? And so we, we just don't pray. The second reason is I think we find ourselves bored or distracting, distracted when we're trying to pray. Anybody relate? Oh, I, am I the only one? And your pastor is the only heathen among you. Because here's the thing, when I'm praying, I'm very ADD. I, I mean, I, I can be praying and then, oh, squirrel, let me go over here and deal with this. Or I start thinking, here's what I need to be doing right now. This is what I should have. God, God, I'll get back to you. I got this. And, 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 and so I get very distracted or I get bored. I get tired of hearing my own voice. Come on, can anybody relate? And, or the third one, and I think this, because I've dealt with this, myself and if you're honest i think all of us deal with this we're not sure that our prayers really make a difference anyway i mean you ever thought that why why do i need to pray if god already knows what i need before i ask why do i even need to pray hey d i'm i'm giving reasons they don't pray He's like, I'll, I'll help you preach today. I know about prayer. But that's what we think. If God already knows, why do I pray? Or I thought this. God's going to do whatever he wants to anyway. Why even bother pray? Come on, anybody ever thought that? Absolutely. These are reasons we don't pray. And, and the result is we go through life with a real belief in God, but sometimes an almost non-existent prayer life. A few weeks ago, we saw prayer take a national stage. When we saw an NFL player, DeMar Hamlin, take a hit and they had to resuscitate him on the field at a live event. And while others just looked on, ESPN anchor Dan Orlovsky stops the broadcast live and says, I'm going to pray. And here's the thing. If there hadn't been a tragedy and somebody had stopped the broadcast and said, hey, I think we need to pray, they would have crucified whoever it was that did that. But because a tragedy, we pray. Isn't it funny how when things happen, we want to pray? And, and I understand that when it comes to the world or non-Christians. But when it comes to followers of Jesus, and the only time we're praying is over our food, or when we hit a crisis, something needs to change in our walk. Are you following me? And prayer is a fundamental that we must have in our lives as a follower of Jesus, or we're simply not going to grow in that relationship. In fact, can I tell you this? Jesus assumes if you're one of his followers, you're going to pray. It's just an assumption. Look what he says in Luke, Luke 11, 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John told his disciples. I want you to see what's happening here. Jesus is praying. His disciples have watched him pray, and they say, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? They, and I love this because the disciples had been, they followed Jesus, 
And they saw Jesus do some incredible things. Amen? Are you with me? They were there when he, when he took the loaves and the fish to made, and fed 5,000 people with that. They saw that. They were there when he spit in some mud, rubbed it in a blind guy's eye, and the guy could see. They were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. They were there for all the, they heard him teach some powerful things. Yet I find interesting is the disciples, after seeing all that amazing stuff, didn't say, hey, Jesus, teach us that thing you did with the, the bread and the fish. Hey, Jesus, show us how, how he spit in the mud. Teach us that. Teach us those things. No, they said, hey, hey, Jesus. We've watched you pray, and it has had such an impact. Can you teach us how to pray? And look what Jesus says. He said to them, when you pray. I don't, Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you pray. He didn't say, hey, when a crisis hits, this is how I want you to do it. Why? Because Jesus is assuming that if you are a follower of Jesus, you're going to pray. It is a fundamental to this faith walk that we're that he's developing in us. Now, I mean, here, here's the example of when I was preparing for this. I desperately want to be a handyman. I want to be useful around the house of my wife. But we've learned if we want to save money in fixing something at the house, hire somebody. I'm going to tear it up. And then we're going to have to call somebody to fix my mistake plus whatever I was trying to fix. But I want to be. I have, my garage is full of power tools and things because I go into Lowe's. And I was like, imagine what I could do if I had that. <laughs> I know I don't have any clue of how to use it, but I think I'm going to learn how to use that. And I buy that stuff. And so I got, I, I remember when we first moved back in to, to our house, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redo our basement. I, I, I've got, so I've got this unfinished basement. I've got some walls framed, and maybe they're not the best. Maybe they're straight. Maybe they're not. But, hey, I'm an amateur. <laughs> I'm an amateur. So, but I've got that. I've got some wire ran. But I got so frustrated and so overwhelmed in the process that I quit, and now it's just been sitting there unfinished for years. Why? I've got all the necessary tools, but I don't know how to use them. I think that's our prayer life. We've got all the necessary tools, but we do not know how to use them. And we become overwhelmed in the process of trying to use them, and it seems so big, I'll never. And so what we end up doing is we end up leaving it, leaving it to those that have the gift of prayer. We leave, Hey, let's call the intercessors. Let's call D. When God has called all of us to have a prayer life. Now, I'll agree, man. The first person I call when I need prayer is that man back there. But I'm praying also. Are you hearing me? I've got other people that are praying also because God, uh, he desperately wants us to develop this prayer walk and this prayer, li prayer life. And, and, and if we don't, then we get overwhelmed. I think that's why we have a low turnout at our Monday night prayers because we, we come in here and we're like, what, what am I going to do for an hour? I can't pray an hour. 
I don't want anybody to know that I really don't have a, this prayer thing down. So instead of showing up, seeing how others are doing it, practicing it, developing our skills with the tools we have, we just don't show up. And I believe it's not that we don't want to pray. It's not that we don't have the tools. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, the tools for prayer are inside of you. The problem is we've never learned or been taught how to develop the skill of prayer. And so we have all this space of potential, just like my basement. Got all the potential, but I become overwhelmed at how do I even start. So I quit. And, and you need to know something. I'm preaching to myself today. I, I do not have this prayer thing down. I'm I'm learning. I am growing. But as a follower of Jesus, we are supposed to have a, a prayer life. I think the desire is there. I think the tools are there. We just don't really know what to do with them. So, so let's answer the basic question. What is prayer? What is praying? If you're taking notes, here's the simple answer. Prayer is simply talking to God. That's, that, that's prayer. That, that's the fundamental. It's just having a conversation with God. It, it, it's it's so simple, yet I believe because it's so simple, it's hard for us to grasp that we have that kind of access to the creator of the universe. That we can just go to him and talk to him. And, and we talked about this in week one, how the, uh, one of the main fundamentals is the word of God and believing what it says and living by that truth. And, and we know the word of God says we have access. But then we're like, let Come on, I know me. Why would God allow that kind of access to him? Because I, I know how I am. I know the things I've done this week. Yet we read scriptures like Hebrews 4.16, where it says, let us approach God's throne with confidence and boldness. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't be worried or anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And verse 7 gives us a promise along with that. If you'll do that, then the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. James 1, 5, if you like wisdom, ask for it. I, I, and, and I could go on and on, and we agree that the Word of God is, is God-breathed, and it is His voice. Yet even with these scriptures, we find it to believe that we, as broken as we are, can have a conversation with God Almighty. Look at this prayer that David prayed. Psalms 5.1. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my signs. I want to stop there just for a second. Other versions may say groaning or sign. But here's why this is important to us when we're learning about prayer, learning how to pray. So, so many of us, what keeps us from praying or developing a prayer life is that we think it looks like something else. We see the person that prays so eloquently. You think, I know God hears them. Listen to them. I mean, everything, every word I say has got two syllables, whether it's supposed to or not. In the South, hell has two syllables. Hell. <laughs> and we're like, I'm not that eloquent. Or we hear the person over here that, man, they're, they're going up and down the aisles. They're hollering. They're having this. And, and so we think that's what prayer looks like. And can I tell you, prayer is both of those things, but it's not only those things. 
He says, signs. Consider my signs. In other words, David is so intimate in his relationship with God that God communicate, can even communicate through David's signs. Denise and I, we've been married 32 years this, this April. Can I tell you, she could communicate with me through a sign. Some of y'all know. And I could distinguish those signs. I can be in the bedroom, and she walks in. I know what it means. Are you serious? You couldn't throw those in the hamper? It's two feet right here. I know that sign. And I know that sigh of contentment where it says, you know what, I feel safe. I feel protected. And I know that sigh of, man, I have married to the best and hottest looking man on this earth. I know those sighs. Now, sometimes I get the sighs confused. Let me say that. I think it's a good sign to go in for the loving. It's not a good sign. Come on. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm still, 32 years, I'm still learning. But can I tell you, your Father in heaven knows your size. And when you are close and intimate with Him, you don't, there's not, sometimes you don't have to say a lot of words. You just, oh. And God says, yeah, I know. I understand. I get it. And I love that David has such a relationship. And he says, listen to my words, Lord, but not just that. Consider my signs. Pay attention to the sound of my cry. Then he's going to let you know that this is not just somebody far off. This is somebody who has a good relationship. You are my God, and you are my king. He said, I have, I, that's the relationship I have. And then he says this in the morning. Lord, you hear my voice. I, I want to stop. You hear my voice. Think about what the psalmist is saying here. He said, he, he said, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence, he cares enough about me that he listens to me and hears my voice. Are, are you getting that in you? The creator of the universe, he loves you. He cares enough about you that he hears you. He listens to your voice. Man, man, who, who has children in here? You, you've got kids. You see, I can only speak for myself. I've got, we've got four kids. Uh, I, I mean, you communicate or you connect with each kid differently. Like April was 15 years old when Denise and I got married. And I connected with her through worship. Because if you've not heard April sing, girl's got a voice. And I also connected with her because her dad had been non-existent in her life. I became this girl's protector. You hurt her, you hurt me. And, I'm, and so there was connection there because she had not had that in her life, period. Now, I've got Kennedy, who Kennedy growing up was um, very black and white. There was no gray with Kennedy. And so, and so if she heard her dad say something that he probably shouldn't have, it would break her heart because her dad was going to hell. <laughs> and I learned to connect through her on a different level. And we got Sheridan up here on the front row. 
who was growing up my wild child. We connected because we are both very opinionated. We are very passionate about our opinions as well. And, and, and so sometimes her and, her and Bo and the grandkids living at the house, sometimes that can get into some um, heated discussions. But we connect. There's some things we all, I connect with all my kids on. Music, movies, we all love movies, we all love music. But there are some other things that only we connect on. My son Zion, who's getting married April 1st, he is, he is a very sensitive soul. To the point it just annoys me. <laughs> I'm like, when did I raise this? I don't. But he's also very romantic. And I'm my wife, you may not believe this. I'm a romantic guy. I love bringing my wife gifts. I love taking her on surprise trips. In fact, I'm taking her on one. And I was so excited about taking her somewhere for a surprise for Valentine's that I could not hold it in. I said, you want me to tell you what your Valentine's Day gift is? <laughs> and I'm so mean. If my wife had come to me like that, I didn't know. I don't. And it would have tore her up because she would have died wanting you to tell me. But not my wife. Yeah, I do want to tell me. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> but we connect in very different ways. And here's why I say that. God knows how to connect with his children in different ways. It will not be the same for everybody. Prayer is not just kneeling down at the altar, hands clasped. That's one form. But you know what? Prayer can be through music. Prayer can be through you reading your word. There are many different ways that God connects with his children when it comes to prayer. And it all comes back to this. Prayer is simply having a talk, a conversation with God. So how do I pray, God? How do I get, get, get there? I want to give you five, and I promise you, these five are going to go fast. That first point was a long one. These are five things you need to understand when it comes to praying. And I think this will help us build a foundation. The first thing you need to know, you need to be brutally honest. Be brutally honest when you pray with God. And, you know, I, I, so many people, here's why I say that. So many of people come to God in prayer like God doesn't know that you're a hot mess. Like God doesn't know that you've really screwed up and blown it this past week. God doesn't like, he doesn't know you spent the last two days in your room because depression has covered you. And so we come to God like, oh, you know, one of my, this is one of my pet peeves. Um, you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored. And you know they are not blessed nor highly favored right now. They have been walking through a crap storm. And I just want them to say, you know what? Honestly, Pastor, this has been tough. I could really use some prayer about right now. And when we approach God, we got to learn to approach Him with brutal honesty. That's why I tell people, man, growing up, you didn't, you didn't, tell God you were mad at him. You didn't question God. And I started thinking, well, if he already knows what we're thinking, and I promise you this, God has got big enough shoulders where he can handle your honesty. I mean, you look at some of our heroes of the faith and how honest they were with God. Moses, after Moses had been called by God, he goes on his first visit to Pharaoh. Pharaoh kind of 
says, no, it ain't happening. And look what he comes back to God with, Exodus 5.22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, hey, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Uh, come on. God, I thought I heard your voice. But now, look, it, things are getting worse than what they were. Is this why you sent me? Why are you bringing trouble on your people? What about Job? I know we talk a whole lot about him remaining faithful throughout all of his testing. And this was a big discussion in our Bible reading program that we had a few weeks ago. Um, and, but, but, you know, Job got real with God about what he was feeling. Look what he says to God in Job 10, verse 1. I loathe my very life. I hate my life, God. I will give free reign to my complaining and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. You know what I do love about this is that he's not talking to everybody else about his, the bitterness of his soul. He's taking it to God. Can I tell you, man, and this may be a rant, but I'm going to go here. Why? Do you put your stuff out on social media? It, well, Kelly, I want prayer. No. If you wanted prayer, you should be connected with some people close enough that you can pick up a phone and say, I need prayer. Here's what I'm convinced of, and if this hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. But you need some truth spoken into you. I'm convinced we put it out there because we want people to feel sorry for us. Look at the mess I'm going through. But I'm going to tell you, Job took the bitterness of his soul to God. He didn't put it out there on display for all to see. Because can I tell you, when you post it on Facebook, they're not praying. What they're doing is say, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you see what they're going through? wonder what caused this. But Job, man, Job even asked God questions. Because that, that was free. That was this little rant. Verse 3, God, Job says this to God. Does it please you to oppress me? To spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? Anybody been there? God, I'm trying to do everything you told me to do. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to follow this to the letter. I'm doing everything that I believe you've called me to do. And yet, I feel like I'm being dumped on while people out there that are living however they want to you're smiling on them, and things are going great for them. What's the deal, God? I'm the only one that's thought that. Let me tell you, God can handle that brutal honesty. Sometimes the best thing is to come to God and say, God, I don't understand what's going on. I'm trying to live for you. But it's like nothing is happening for me. I, I, am I, is it me? Am I not doing this right? Because, God, I'm honest. I'm scared. I'm getting depressed, God. I, I'm worried. And again, God can handle all of those things. There are only, you, know, you know there are only two types of prayers that Jesus criticizes in the Bible? You thought, well, I thought God would be happy with it. No, there's two prayers that he criticizes, Jesus does. Found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Look at verse 5. Jesus says this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Jesus says, hey, hey, don't be that kind of prayer where it's only for show. 
You're, you're just, come on, you're trying to make, you want everybody to see that you're praying. Don't be that guy. And then the second group of people, verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered because they repeat their words over and over again. I, I, I'm sure God's not this way, but and I'm glad I'm not God. But I'm one of God says, come on, guy. I heard you. Let's move on to the next. You've been saying this. Come on, I heard you over. And I, in fact, I said this to a guy one time. I, it may have been Harvey. Uh, we were. I said, you ever wonder what would happen if we talked to our friends like we talked to God? You ever heard somebody pray? Oh, uh, well, thank you, God. Well, what are you doing, God? Thank you, God. I said, what would happen? Hey, Harvey, what are you doing, Harvey? What do you think about today, Harvey? How's the weather, Harvey? Think, what do you think you want to do today, Harvey? You know, because we'll say Lord or God 50 times in a two-sentence prayer. And I'm just, that's just thoughts that come across my mind. That has nothing to do with the message. Because I'm sure God would just love to hear some of you pray anything. And uh, let's go. <laughs> See, Chris said, I, I don't need you to laugh at my jokes. I'll laugh at my jokes. The second thing you need to know about talking to God, talk to God about everything that's important to you. Don't think it's too small or minuscule to, to take to God. And we need to learn that God wants to hear about things that matter to us. He wants to hear us speak about them. Philippians 4, 6, we said it a while ago. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank you for all he's done. It's important. If it's important to you, it's important to God. I would never want my kids to not come to me and talk to me because they say, you know what? Dad's busy. He's too busy. for This is, this is not important enough to take to him. I would never want them to feel that way. I want them to know they can bring, come to me with anything, anything they want to talk about, anything they need to say. If they're having an issue, if they, listen, and I believe it, it, the Bible says if, God, if we're that good as fathers on earth, how much better is our heavenly father? That he wants to hear even the things. He's not too busy. It's not too small for him to, to hear about. He, when, when you look at people in the Bible, man, they ask for just things that you would think, why even bother asking? God's going to give it to you. I mean, you look at Solomon. Solomon prayed for wisdom. Zacharias prayed for a son. Moses asked for water. Uh, you got Daniel asked God to help him understand a dream that he had had. Gideon asked God for a sign. Come on, you've been in there. God, if it's is you, uh, give me a sign. And then he asked for another sign after God gave him the first sign been there uh one of abraham's servants asked god to give him success in finding a wife for isaac you got dan or david who prayed for forgiveness after sitting with Bathsheba. you got elijah that prayed it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years and then he turned around and prayed that it would rain and it rained you've got uh, paul paul prayed about a thorn in his side in fact when you say the bible it says three times he pleaded with god God, he went to God. These are things they prayed about. The disciples prayed for boldness. Jesus prayed that his, his disciples would be one. So I'm going to tell you, don't think that what you're praying is too small. So what's important to you? What matters to you? Pray about it. You've got a vehicle that you need not to break down. 
Pray about it. Because it's important to you. I think it's important to God. You, you have headaches that are constant or that come and go and they're just trying. Pray about it. You've got a kid that's struggling to fit in at school. Pray about it. You've you got a test coming up in school that you need to pass and you studied for it. Pray about it. You've got a kid that's going down the wrong path. Pray about it. You've got a marriage that's struggling. Pray about it. Come on. You want a desire to be healthier, to eat better? Pray about it. If it's important to you, take it to God. Thirdly, be in constant communication with God. Don't just have this routine where you get up in the morning, you pray, do your devotions, and you're out the door. And then the next morning, you pray. Those are good. Those are good things. But can you imagine what mine and Denise's relationship would be like if that's how I approached her? I got up in the morning. We had a five, ten-minute conversation. I kissed her by, went out the door, didn't say anything to her the rest of the day until the next morning where I did it all again. Absolutely. But yet that's what we want with our prayer life. Pray continually. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, rejoice always, pray continually. Now, I'm going to be very honest. I'm not one of those people that can pray an hour nonstop. I'm just telling you. I've said this before. I get, I get tired of hearing my own voice. I'm not one of those prayers. I, 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 I'm very ADD when it comes to it. But if you show up at Monday night prayer, you'll, you'll see me pray. You'll see me worship. You'll see me get my Bible app out. I'll read and ask God to speak to me through this word. Sometimes you'll see me just either kneeling at the altar or, or spread out on the floor just saying, God, I'm listening. But an hour, but I'm learning. But when it comes to constant communication, can I tell you? I don't get, yeah, I pray in the morning. But then throughout the day, I have, I have little conversations with God. I'm driving down the road. I may think of something and I have a conversation with God. I'm at the gym. I think of something. I'm having a conversation with God. I, I'm at Walmart. I'm having a conversation with God. I'm ha it, it is a constant communication. Why? Because I'm learning to be aware of his presence. His presence is always there. It's just, am I aware of it? I said this this morning. I'm going to hurry because uh, I know the time. Uh, when I was talking to our, our group that prays at, at 820, this came to me this week, you know, this past week. I was watching uh, June, my granddaughter Juno and then Sonny. Uh, they were coming up to Denise, and they said, Chase me, Bubby, chase me. And so I was, I was just sitting there in the recliner watching TV sports or something, and here's Denise, rawr, rawr, and she's chasing them around the house. I'm in the room. I'm very present in the room. I see what's going on. But something happens when Juno comes up. And I'm sitting there in my recliner. Papa, chase me. I've been in the room the whole time. But her saying, Papa, chase me. It caused me to get out of my recliner and chase this little girl. See, I'm becoming more aware that God's presence is, is everywhere with us all the time. It's just when me, I, I look and say, Daddy, Abba, Father, chase me. Chase me. 
We've got to learn to be aware and be in constant communication with God. British evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said this about prayer. Man, this hit me heavy. He said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. Wow. Think of prayer that way, guys. I never pray for long periods of time, but I never go long periods of time without praying. I'm telling you, if we would get that mindset, it would revolutionize our spiritual walk. It would revolutionize it. The fourth thing when it comes to talking to God, be persistent. Be persistent. You remember that old acronym that came out? We put out wristbands, push. Pray until something happens. Uh, there's something to be said about that. Uh, see, there's someone, in, uh, there's a lady in the church. One of the things I admire about this lady, because I know some of the health problems that she's dealt with and faced, and I've watched God, me and my wife have watched God heal her and continue to heal her. But one of the things that I admire, every time there, there's a call for healing, she's up here. She's up here. What is that? That's persistence. And that, you'll hear me say, guys, hey, come in. And, and here's what I say. Well, Kelly, I prayed for this so many times. Yeah, but what if today's the day something happens? It's persistence. In fact, Jesus talked about this in, in, in Luke 18, 1 through 5. Look at this. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. He says, there was a judge in a certain city who didn't fear God and he didn't care about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Sometimes that's what prayer looks like. Coming back, coming back, coming back. Well, don't get an answer. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to pray until I see something happen. I'm going to pray until I get an answer. I'm going to pray until I see a breakthrough. Be persistent in prayer. Come with him with brutal honesty. Talk to God about everything that matters or is important to you. Stay in constant communication with him and be persistent. And last but not least, and if I could get the team to come on up, this is something we fail to do. Wait and listen for his response. Imagine if our relationships, we treat our relationships more like we did prayer when it comes to this where we came to our friends, our spouse or whoever, and we laid out our complaints, we laid out our frustrations, we laid out our needs, our wants, and then we just walked away. How long is it going to take before that friend says, uh, no, I'm done. All I hear you do is gripe and moan, and you never listen and wait for my response. But you know what I think a lot of times we don't wait for God's response because we really don't want the answer we know he's going to give us. But I'm going to tell you, we've got to learn to wait and listen for his response. See, communication is a two-way street. If it's only one-sided, it's not much of a relationship. 
and it won't grow. In fact, it'll probably more than likely get worse. And I want to close with this. First Kings. The prophet Elijah is having a bad day emotionally. He's depressed. He's got anxiety. He's feeling sorry for himself. And he begins to talk to God. First Kings verse nineteen or nineteen verse ten. Elijah said to God, I "Have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. The people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and they've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too." Again, God. I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm living, doing my best to live according to your word. I'm showing up at church. I'm tithing. I'm serving. It seems like nothing is happening. In fact, it's getting worse. But look what God said. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. And Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain, and it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was fire. The Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard the gentle whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. There comes a time when we have to settle ourselves to be able to hear God speak. Because I'm convinced our culture, we want the big explosive voices of God. We want God to show up in a fire, in an earthquake, in a mighty wind. There are times when you've got to settle yourself and the voices around you, the voices on the media, the voices on the news, and you've got to sit and listen for the gentle whisper. See, there have been times that I've prayed that God has spoken to me immediately. And then there have been times that it may be the next day or that afternoon. This morning, I mean, I came in here in a pump. I mean, I came into my office, I'm like, God, I don't, I feel disconnected for some reason. And, I, and, and I'm like a lot, I begin to feel sorry for myself. God, what's going on? What's happening? And I began, I said, you know what, I put on, I've got this playlist, and I put on this, it's just soaking music, no words. I just put it on, and man, I, I, I knelt down there on my couch in the office, and and just begin to lay out my heart, God, this is what's going on. And there was no big explosive moment. I just felt the Holy Spirit begin to say, I've got you. You're not disconnected. And and did God speak to me in that moment directly? No, but and this is the way God spoke. I get up from that prayer. I go check my phone. And there's a message from my wife. And it just simply says, Babe, good morning. 
I want you to know I love you and I am praying for you. What was that? That was the gentle whisper of God's voice speaking through my wife through a text. I tell you, if we will settle ourselves and silence everything else, we will hear God speak to us. I've got my morning routine. I, I do. I, I, I get up early in the morning, and, and, and most of the times I, I'll come up here to the church in my office and pray. Because do you know what's funny? Decided they love to get up at 6 in the morning. And it sounds like a little army is going through the house. And I love that, but I also want to make sure I'm not interrupted. And I'll come up here. I'll put on that music. I'm learning this from D. I don't even know why I started doing this, D, on my prayer. I, if I'm wearing a hat, I'll take my hat off. I'll take my shoes off, and I'll just lay out there on the floor of my office and begin to talk to God. Some days, I feel like I've been with God. Some days, I feel like I've just gone through the motions. But can I tell you, I've never had one day where I regretted taking that time to spend with God not one time. God may speak to you through a text, through a person. This morning, I saw Pastor Ben during, one, during the worship set get up here and he spoke a word over Corey. And it, what was that? That was the gentle voice of God. He said, Corey, hey, hey, now that I've got your attention, let me speak to you. He may speak to you through his spirit. He may speak to you through a song. You may get in your car and you've prayed and then bam, holy cow, that song comes on. It's like, yeah, you don't think I heard you? This is for you. And we learn, man, to be very aware of the presence of God, that he's there. If we will just slow down and listen be 12 years ago that um, I think we celebrated, we celebrated 12 years this year for 11 but it was about 12 years ago that God began to speak to me about coming home to pastor because Denise and I were been worship pastors for 20 plus years and God began to speak to us we were a great phenomenal church down in the Atlanta area and I just brushed it off because I never wanted to be a pastor ever and so I just brushed it off as, you know, my dad had passed, and now my mom was trying to take over, and she'd had a stroke. And, and I brushed off, well, that, God's not calling me to pastor. I'm just wanting to go back and help mom out. That's all I'm wanting. So I just kind of brushed it off. And, and my brother Chris invited me to this conference. And that whole weekend, y'all, some of y'all have heard me tell the story. God began to, every, every speaker that got up, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. And I knew, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. And it took me silencing everything else and getting away to really hear and accept what he was saying. 
And I went home that night and told my wife, Denise, hey, God's calling us. God spoke to me, said it's time to go back home and pastor. And my wife was like, well, God didn't speak to me. You can go. Me and the kids are staying here. And I just began to pray, man. Okay, God. And, and if you've heard, I won't, I won't go into details. Because uh, we got to an argument, believe it or not. But I came back and apologized to her and said, you know what? You let me know what you're ready to talk about. And here's what I'm convinced of. Not that God wasn't speaking to her about coming back home. And I think my wife would agree with this. It's just that she wasn't asking because she knew she wouldn't like the answer that God was going to give her. And here's the thing, the way God had to speak to her. I began to pray, pray. And man, God, I, I kept, we didn't talk about this to anybody because I knew the moment, if my mom knew I was even thinking about this, she would come up with word from God. She'd be like, thus saith the Lord. God, you'll forgive me, right? Um, so we didn't speak to anybody about it. Just, I just began to pray, and, and, and Denise wasn't praying about it at all. I was like, okay, God, speak to her. If this is you, speak. And uh, and she, she said this before, so I'm not saying anything she hasn't said. And so I went to the office that day, and Pastor Victor called me. He said, hey, tell let me talk to you. And I'm just assuming it's um, he's going to talk to me about a new series or a song he wants done. And he sets me down, and he begins to tell me that God's been speaking to him about me. And that God is telling me it's time for me to go home and take over where my dad left off. And uh, I knew I was fine because God already spoke to me. So I was like, hey, Pastor, if you feel that way, uh, you going to talk to my wife. She ain't, li- she ain't hearing from me. I don't even know if she's hearing from God right now. I'm joking. So Pastor came in. And what God did in that moment in the office, when he silenced all the voices that were saying why it's not a good idea, why we're not those people, I watched God speak through Pastor Victor into my wife. said that to say this anything that good that has happened at this church since we've been here any lives that have been changed anything any good any marriages that have been healed addicts that have been set free anything like that is only through prayer and because we quieted ourselves to hear what God was saying to us and I'm telling you you are one breakthrough away from just, if you're just quieting yourself and quit expecting God to speak through the big things. Say, okay, God, I'm ready for your gentle whisper. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. In fact, you know, I think I'm done with that. Because I think if you can't be honest in here with people that care about you, Chances are, if you're walking out those doors after you've done it with nobody watching, they're slim. So if you want to be honest, and I, I, I preach for me, and you want, you say, you know what, Pastor, 
my prayer life is like. I need better prayer. I, I want God to put a desire in me to where I don't become overwhelmed, but I begin to learn how to use tools. And I want my prayer life to be stronger because I want to grow this year. If that's you, raise your hand. Father, you see every hand that's raised. Every hand that's God, I'm praying right now, my hand is raised, and I'm praying that you would put a deep desire inside of me, inside of every person that's hand is raised, to begin to press in. Even when we don't feel like it, pray. When we feel like it, pray. When we're going through hell, pray. When everything's good, pray. Not to worry about anything, but pray about everything. That we begin to take those things that we may think are small and we don't bother you with anything that matters to us. We would understand you are a father and they matter to you also. God, that we would begin to be persistent in our prayer life. That prayer would not just become a formality, but God, throughout the day, we would be in constant communication with you. With you, God. Burn that into us. Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Now, one more thing. We didn't do this. Get ready, team. I know we're running a little late, but that's all right. How many will say, you know what, Kelly? I've prayed about something for a very long time, and it seems like nothing is changing. And I've given up. But today, I want to be persistent I know God still answers prayers. So I want to get back into that pressing in, keeping asking, keeping. If that's you, you've been praying about something a while. Yeah, yeah. Here's what we're going to do. You put your hands down. I'm going to ask Bob to sing this song one more time. Because you need to hear, and you need to remind yourself, if he's done it, then he'll do it again. If he's done it for Damon, he'll do it for me. If he's done it for Julie, he'll do it for me. I'm his child. Here's what we're going to do. Father's been in the room the whole time. He's just waiting for his daughter, his son, to come and say, Abba, chase me. Abba, play with me. Abba, pick me up in your arms. Swing me around. Abba, Father, show me how much you love me. He's in the room. So here's what we're going to sing this song. Come up here, Julie. This woman never likes to speak. So I know God's got to be saying something. So I know it's something.